welcome to the North Shore Church audio podcast. To find out more information about North Shore Church, please visit us at mynsag.com. We hope you enjoy today's message. All right. Well, hey, I am excited. I get to, to be with you. I get to bring the message today. Anybody excited for the message today? Come on. Where are you at? It's kind of a dreary day, so I need just a little bit of, oh, there we go. Um, but... Uh, but I'm excited to be with you. I've been a youth pastor for the past 10 years of my life, and so I sometimes say that I am Red Bull excited. I am amped. I am ready to go. And there has been lots of Red Bull and energy drinks in my lifetime dealing with students. But uh, I'm glad to be here on staff as a pastor here at North Shore. And can we also give it up to our senior pastors, Pastor Chris and Melissa, uh, as they're taking family time today. They had family time planned out, but... Uh, just an honor to be working with them. I, I love it, having lots of fun working with, with uh, Pastor Chris. But also, I mean, I just love that he has a heart for you guys, a heart for the church, a heart for the city. So I am thankful to be in this seat right here. And uh, today we're just going to continue our series called Stranger Things. Stranger Things. We've been looking at some of the strange things in the Bible, some of the strange things about being Christians. And today the stranger things I want to talk to you about are heaven and hell. <laughs> heaven and hell. And I didn't wake up this morning thinking, Yes, I get to talk about hell today. It's not. It's a, it's a tough subject to talk about, but um, I believe that it's a strange thing to us because if heaven and hell weren't strange things, then, and if we totally understood heaven and hell, our lives now would be completely different. And so heaven and hell, they're kind of a, a strange concept, right? In fact, there's lots of strange views on heaven and hell. And you don't have to go very far, right? Some of us, we get our theology from Looney Tunes, and so Bugs Bunny, you know, when he when they die on the in the Looney Tunes, uh, there's usually a good good angel, a bad angel over here, and whichever one you listens to determines if you go up or down. And uh, maybe you die, and we got the white robes and the halo up top, and playing your harp as you float on a cloud up into heaven. Like this can be some people's thoughts of what heaven is going to be like, something like that. And uh, other of us think, you know, we get our theology of heaven from. Uh, St. Peter jokes, like all the jokes that when you get to heaven, oh, okay, three guys at, at the, the gates of heaven. You know, it's like, okay, is that what heaven's going to be like? Probably not. Um, others of us think maybe hell is going to be something like Satan ruling his dominion. Like Satan is the king of hell's empire, and he's poking you and stabbing you as you walk by, and like you're his servant. Like that's not accurate either. But there are some strange views of heaven and hell. And I know one of the pop most popular ones is even that hell's going to be one giant party. Man, all my friends are going to be there. It's going to be nonstop party. We're going to turn up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, that's, that shows me that you don't fully understand what hell is going to be like. Because if we truly understood it, and I believe even for those of us who grew up in church, those of us who, who have a biblical concept of heaven and hell, don't fully understand it. Because if we fully understood heaven, if it wasn't a strange thing to us, and we could grasp heaven and we could grasp hell, our lives right now would look completely different, would look completely different. And I've understand that, or I've struggled understanding this just like the rest of you. And it shows when, when we struggle to understand these things because even now, even now I have these moments in my life, you have these moments in your life, better than heaven moments. Like growing up, uh, I fought for my purity, and it was the fight of my life, and I wanted to try to remain pure until marriage, and one of my prayers along the way was, Lord, do not come back and do not let me die until after I get married. You know what I'm saying? Like, in my mind, I'm thinking marriage is going to be so awesome, it's going to be better than heaven, so God, don't you take me till it's my time. 
And then all of a sudden I get married, and it gets real. <laughs> Take me, Lord, right now. Jesus, come quickly. God, I need you. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm playing. My wife is here, babe. I love you. And marriage has been phenomenal. We've been married about five and a half years. Two kids later. I mean, absolutely love it. Wouldn't trade it for the world. But it can be tough at times. But somewhere in my mind, like we have these moments, we have these better than heaven moments. We think, you know, heaven sounds really cool. God, I want to go to heaven. I want to be there someday with you, but not yet. Wait till I'm successful. God, wait till I make an impact. Wait till I do something awesome with my life that generations will remember me. God, I want to go there, but just, you know what, just wait. Just wait. And that shows me that, that we don't have a great understanding of the world that's to come uh, and what that does is our heart doesn't naturally long for the world that's to come, so that causes us to get so caught up on the world around us, the issues around us, the things around us. We're so consumed with the stuff of this world that many times we don't give the world to come a second thought. And so today I'm challenging some of our thinking on the world that is to come. Eternity is very misunderstood. In fact, I grew up in the church. I was at church, where anybody grow up, like you were in church anytime the doors were open, like that was you growing up as a kid. Others of you, maybe not, that's awesome. You can start being that person. But uh, that was me growing up, always there, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesdays. And uh, it, I got some strange views of what heaven was going to be like because I had been part of some long worship services. You know what I'm saying? Like two hours later, the band's not wrapping it up, and I'm like... Wow, this is a long service. And then a brother or sister stands up to give a little testimony. And, you know, I, can't, I just can't wait to get to heaven because when I get to heaven, we're just going to worship Jesus for all eternity. And I'm like looking at her like, stop, hold up, wait. If he, is he, are you telling me heaven is going to be a nonstop church service? Because if that's what heaven is. I'm already thinking in my mind of excuses to get out of it. I'm like, I, my back starts hurting, oh, but there's no pain in heaven. Well, I, something came up. I'm just going to come over here. Y'all keep worshiping. I'm just going to explore. You know, like in my mind it was going to be this nonstop worship service. The band keeps going and going and the, the preacher never stops. And I've been part of something that I thought times that I thought that was going to happen. And uh, I'm like, I don't know if that's what I want my heaven to be like. But that was one of my understandings of, of heaven. And uh, so today, my hope is to bring a better clarity, but not just better clarity of heaven and hell, because some of us have a good clarity, but some of us haven't connected to how it works in our life. So I want to make that connection between why heaven should change us now, why hell should change us right now, why it should affect our actions and what we do. In fact, when we begin to truly understand eternity, it will completely change the way we live our lives today. And before I start, I want to just give a quick disclaimer um, because no matter how hard I try, I'm going to fail miserably. I am going to blow it. I'm going to come up so short, it's not even going to be close. Um, because God's word says in 1 Corinthians 2.9, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So no matter what great thoughts or how great I can try to explain or how awesome I think heaven might be, it is going to be infinitely greater than anything I could ever explain to you. I'm going to fall so far short, I'm not even going to come close. And hell, in the same way, I'm going to talk a little bit about hell. Probably more about heaven uh, than hell because heaven's a lot funner, <laughs> right? But, uh, but I'm going to talk a little bit about hell today too. And I'm going to fall so short on how horrible and horrific 
and bad it's going to be. I can't even come close. So I know up front, this is my disclaimer up front, I am going to fail miserably. But my hope today is as you begin to get a better understanding of these two places, you'll begin to realize, wow, the life that's to come should affect the life that we're in right now, right now. And so I just want to share about why heaven changes us or two ways that eternity changes us now. There's two ways I want to share about how eternity changes us now. First of all, I want to talk about heaven. Um, if we truly understood how great heaven is going to be, it would completely change our priorities. It would completely change our priorities. Our life would look different because our priorities would be different. In fact, people, have you ever seen people with some messed up priorities in life? Like there are some people with some messed up priorities. Like there are people this Saturday, they are going to walk into Memorial Stadium, home of the Cornhuskers, sit in the seats, and they're going to root for the other team. Like, that is messed up. That is my, my home right there. That is a messed up priority. But Lord knows only one of those two teams is going to be undefeated come this Saturday. Praise God. Am I right? Man, I can't believe it. I love, I'm a big Husker fan. I just love watching them have a good season, finally. Ah, oh, thank you, Lord. Keep them healthy in Jesus' name. May we go far. God bless them. Um, but we have some people have some messed up priorities. I've seen some people uh, actually go out and put buy new rims for their car instead of paying last month's rent, last month's bills. And so they're driving around. They look good driving around, but they don't have a home to go to. I'm like, man, your priorities might be just a little bit off. And I've seen people take their kids to ball game after ball game after ball game at the cost of consistently missing church. I'm like, you know what, your priorities might be just a little bit off right there. I've seen people push aside their own family to go out and have a good time with their friends. I've seen people uh, lose their marriage due to their career, right? Our priorities can be messed up at times, and things can be a little different at times. And so as we begin to get a better understanding of heaven and the life that's to come, I believe it can't help but change our priorities. It can't help but change how we live our life right now. And so I just want to help you understand why it changes us. Maybe just try to explain heaven just a little bit as far short as I'm going to fall. But have you ever uh, had a moment in life that you just thought, it, this is so awesome. Like, I could stay here all my life. It doesn't get any better than this. Like, these better than this moments in life. And maybe it was a time you won something or a time you're on the beach just relaxing, reading your book. No stress, no worries, no anxiety. You're not thinking about the kids. You're not thinking about nothing. You're just like, wow, it doesn't get better than this. This is awesome. And I, in college, I played college basketball. And I know looking at me, I'm like this five foot seven white guy, super intimidating. You would automatically think basketball. So, I mean, that's like, yeah, I played basketball. But I did. I played college basketball at a small little college. And uh, my sophomore year, we're playing for the conference championship. And I'm the point guard on the team, the short little quick guy, you know. And uh, it comes down to the very end of the game, and it's tied up. Four seconds left. Our top two players fouled out. They're on the bench. And it's about to go into overtime. Uh, for the conference championship. And so with four seconds left, uh, the coach called a timeout. He said, all right, here's the plan. Throw the ball to you, RJ. Dribble as fast as you can and shoot it. I'm like, that's a good plan right there, coach. Thank you. All right, let's do this thing. And so I'm getting excited. And I'm all ready. And the, the ball is handed to the guy. And I give him my, a little juke move to get open. And I sidestep him. I catch the ball. As soon as I catch the ball, I turn up the court and dribble as fast as I can. I dribble dribble, crossover, shoot a shot just over half court. And I shoot, shoot that shot, and as the ball is in the air, the buzzer goes off. 
the ball goes through the net, and it is just an eruption of chaos. I'm talking, we're screaming, we're, the fans or people are rushing me, the teammates are trying to lift me up, and we're dancing. Listen, I have no dance moves, but in that moment, I'm like, Wah! doing a little dance, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was a moment of pure and uninhibited joy. Nothing mattered. There was no stress. There was no anxiety. Nothing in that moment mattered except for the thought that, wow, I am victorious. We just won this thing. Yes, this is so awesome. This feeling is the best ever. I wish this moment could last forever. But as quickly as that moment came, it passed me by. Because <laughs> the truth is all that we will ever know in this world is temporary pleasures. A moment that's here one moment and gone the next. But someday, check this out, someday in heaven, in eternity, here's what it says in Psalm 1611. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. With what kind of pleasures? Eternal pleasures that won't go away, that won't fade away. So if you've ever had this moment that you thought it doesn't get any better than this, I can guarantee you if Christ is part of your life, if you love Jesus, it will get infinitely and indescribably better, and that moment will never pass away. It's going to be absolutely incredible, and that means that no matter what you're going through today, no matter how bad you've been mistreated, abused, uh, no matter if you've been taken advantage of, you may be facing the situation of your life that you don't know how to get past. Wherever you're at, you can look at your future and say with confidence, the best is yet to come. In my life, the best is yet to come. I may be facing a trial right now. I may be facing a situation that I don't know how to get past, but the best is yet to come because that is what's waiting for those who have Christ Jesus in heaven. And so I want to try to continue talking a little bit about heaven in Revelations 21, 1 and 2. It says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. So this same God... Right, the same God who gives us this new, resurrected, and perfected body, that's going to be pretty awesome, right? Resurrect, perfected body. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Uh, he also is going to create a new heaven and a new earth. So that means, that means that uh, I'm not entirely sure, and so, you, you know, it's not Bible, but I'm just making deductions from Scripture. That means that there's a good chance a lot of what we enjoy here on earth, we'll be able to enjoy in the new heaven and the new earth only without any imperfection, without any sin, and without any mosquitoes. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be absolutely perfect. That means if you're here and you enjoy mountain climbing, imagine climbing the highest, craziest, most beautiful mountains imaginable, and you're not worried about freezing to death. You're not worrying about falling down the mountainside because there's no pain. Uh, there's no broken bones, right? And so you just just be free to explore and have the greatest adventure of your life. Or if you enjoy, like me, playing golf, I can just imagine playing the most beautiful and creative golf courses that can't even be imagined right now. Or uh, maybe you're here and there's some weird people. We're talking about stranger things. I think these people are stranger things. People who think running is fun. Like, I like running. What? <laughs> running is not fun. Running is torture, right? We don't run for fun because our lungs start burning. My legs start hurting. And it's like horrible. It's w the worst thing ever. Maybe in sports, then I'll run. But run for fun? Are you kidding me? But maybe someday in heaven. Because someday in heaven, your lungs aren't going to burn. Someday in heaven, you're going to be able to run and not grow weary, not grow tired. You can go for a 
man, 10-year sprint if you want to up in heaven. Like, you can just do whatever you want because you will run. Maybe then I'll take up running for fun. You know what I mean? And But you will run and not grow tired whatsoever. And uh, maybe you're here, you like skiing. Imagine going to the biggest, craziest slopes, a quadruple black diamond. You just take one look at it, and right here you would think, okay, that person would die on earth if they were to try that. But up in heaven, there is no fear because there's no pain. There's no heartache. There's no nothing. And so you can just, without fear, go and do these things and live this life. And I'm just imagining, listen, I'm just imagining up in heaven, there's going to be some of the most delicious food you can ever even imagine or not imagine. But I can imagine some pretty delicious food. You know what I'm saying? The marriage supper of the lamb is happening in heaven. And I can imagine some barbecue ribs <laughs> in Jesus' name. Like, Lord, let there be barbecue ribs at the marriage supper of the lamb. I don't know, but there's going to be some good food. And uh, I'm just believing that there might be some the greatest Mexican food imaginable with unending salsa and queso for everybody. Come on, Lord, make it happen. And uh, on the other side of heaven, I'm just believing this. This is People don't always understand this when I tell them in other states, but there's going to be some Nebraska corn on the cob in heaven. I, I came from Oklahoma the past five and a half years, and I would tell them about our Nebraska corn on the cob, and they would be like, corn? It's like, no, it's corn on the cob. Like, corn on the cob? Yeah, like, like at the fair? No, this is way different than at the fair. And I'm trying to explain to them how awesome it is and that we eat meals of just corn on the cob sometimes. Like, you eat meals of just corn? I'm like, man, just come to Nebraska and try this thing. It's awesome. It'll blow your mind, but there will be some Nebraska corn on the cob up in heaven. Um, but I know as much as I try to describe it to you, I'm going to fall infinitely short. I'm not even coming close. Um, but it goes on to say this in Revelations verse four and 21, 4 and 5. God will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death, no mourning, no crying, no pain. For the old order of things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. So one of the best ways, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, one of the best ways to describe how something is going to be sometimes is how to describe how it's not going to be. So that's what he do here. So heaven, let me just describe what it is not going to be. Some of you right now, you're sitting in the crowd and your body hurts. Your back aches. You have a hard time walking. You have a hard time getting here today. That pain, gone. <laughs> no more. Some of us, we have that injury that like kept us from the pros. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I would have made it big, but that, that gone. <laughs> no more injuries. No stress. No headaches. No pain. No disease, no sickness, no anxiety. You won't feel lonely. You won't get hurt. You won't feel broken. Uh, you won't feel lazy. <laughs> you can't even get tired. It's going to be incredible. There's going to be no insecurities holding you back. And, and for the very first time, you're going to free, feel free to just completely and fully be yourself. You're never going to feel beneath somebody because maybe they have a different personality or position or status than you. Uh, and some of us know all too well the pain that comes from losing a loved one. Someday in heaven, death itself won't even be allowed there. No funerals, no cemeteries, no fear, no pain. Because God says, I am making everything new. 
And once we begin to understand this, once we begin to understand how just unbelievable heaven is going to be, uh, once we begin to understand, right, like the movie said, heaven is for real, not only is heaven for real, heaven is for you. It's for me. It's for those who follow Christ. That changes us. It changes our priorities. Now the most important thing doesn't become getting rich and famous and successful and finding the one and living happily ever after. No, now the most important things, for me at least, like if it comes down to me, the most important, the biggest priority in my life is, okay, I'm living my life to make sure I make it to heaven, number one. And number two, I'm going to take as many people as I can with me. (laughs) Like it changes us. It changes our thoughts. It changes our priorities. And I'm thankful to be part of a church that has some of those good priorities. You, you got your priorities right. Like you're coming to church not just to attend a service, but to live a life of service. You realize that this place isn't the church. You don't come to church, but you, and the church doesn't exist for you, but you are the church, and you exist for this world. Like God has your priorities right. I, I'm thankful because many of you are in this place, and you're generous You're generous to give your time, your talent, your treasure to forcefully advance the kingdom of God to make a difference. That's why we do things like trunk or treat, because we get out into the community. We get out into the city. We're going to forcefully advance. They come to our property, and we're going to try to hook them with Jesus, hook them with with the gospel. But I'm thankful that that many of you have those right priorities uh, as well. And forcefully advancing the kingdom of God and and getting our mind on, on what's right could be the biggest priority of our life. In fact, Jesus puts it this way in Matthew 6, He says this. He says, seek first. Come on, say it with me. Say first. First. Number one, top priority, above all else, seek first. See what he's doing? He's talking to our priorities. He's putting our priorities in order. But then here's what he says. Seek first the kingdom of God. He's not saying seek first the things around you on this world. Seek first how much stuff you can get, how much success you can gain. Seek first the relationships around you. No, he's saying seek first. Number one, top priority, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. So the things that you're stressing about, the things that we're chasing, the money, the the popularity, the whatever it is, God is saying, you know what, forget about all those things because I'm going to just add those to you later if you seek me and my kingdom. Don't get so caught up on this world and this thing around you because there's a whole world that's to come and that is my kingdom and will you seek it? Seek first the kingdom of God. Here's how I like to put it. Uh, I like to say this. Don't ever let a thing take the place of a king. (laughs) Don't ever let a thing take the place of a king. We do, man. We put so many things in in the place in our heart where only a king, Christ the king, should be sitting Because someday the truth is we're going to get to heaven and we're going to realize just how big of a priority God should have been. In fact, here's what it says in Revelation 21 verse 3. It says, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. That's the reason right there. That's why Jesus came to this earth. That's why he died on a cross, a death that he didn't deserve, so that we could be where he is. The Bible's very clear about this. It says the only way to get there, the only way to get to heaven is through Jesus. All roads don't lead to heaven. All religions don't lead to heaven. Not everyone's going to make it to heaven, but we know how to get there. The road, the path, the way is through Christ alone. 
And this is God. you got to understand, this is God saying this. He can do whatever he wants. He can create whatever he wants just by speaking the word. But in that moment, when we're right there, when we are with him, in that moment, his greatest dream comes to pass. you got to understand, it was a dream that he loved so much, he was willing to die for it, for the moment that we are right there with him. And if I tried to describe you what heaven's going to be like without describing to you who we share it with, we'd be missing out on the best part. Uh, let's see, you may think that the, the, the real treasure of heaven or the real beauty of heaven is the golden streets that are going to be awesome and streets of gold. Wow, that's cool. Or the, the real beauty of heaven is going to be the beautiful city with precious gemstones in it. Like that's going to be pretty awesome. Or our new resurrected and perfected bodies. And I will have a deep voice like this in heaven. I believe it. Um, but we might think those are some of the cool things that are happening in heaven. But we got to understand the real beauty of that moment is going to be being there in the full, unrestrained presence of God. It's who we're there with. That's when it matters. And it's going to be at this moment. It's going to be at this moment when we're there face to face. We're there in the presence of God that we realize, wow, I wish I would have lived my life different. Man, God, the moment I get to see you face to face, my life is truly going to be changed. I'm going to wonder, why did I worry so much about the things around me? Why was I so stressed out about the issues at work that it caused me to take it out on my family? Why did I stress out over the little things? Why was it so important for me to become a better athlete, a better employee, more than to become a better Christian? Our priorities are going to shift. We're going to wonder why the approval of others was more important to us than the approval of God. It's in that moment we're going to wish we lived with a little bit more boldness, that we sacrificed a little more, that we gave whatever we could for this moment, that we did just a little bit more because finally when we're there face to face in the unrestrained presence of God, for the very first time, our priorities will be set straight. And as a pastor, as someone standing before you today, I can tell you one of my fears, one of the things I struggle with is I fear that I'm going to stand in that moment and I'm going to look back and I'm just going to say, man, I blew it. I blew it. I missed it. I messed up. Because I don't know about you, if I truly believed in heaven, if I truly believed that this moment was coming for my eternity, my priorities would look dramatically different. Different, completely different. And one of the best ways I can think to even explain it is by just talking to some of the parents in the room, which actually you don't have to be a parent to understand this, but where are my parents at? Anybody who's a parent, you've been a parent, grandparents maybe, like you understand what it's like to live life with kids. And I remember, parents, do you remember the crazy questions kids ask? Crazy all the time. Right, they're asking questions. I'm not even lying to you. I went with Pastor Chris, the senior pastor, here one time. I drove about 20 minutes from here to Grand Island with him. And so I'm in this ride for 20 minutes, and I'm, I started counting. His son, Abram, asked the same question over 50 times. He asked the question, why? Why? And, like, I'm trying to be... Good, and I'm trying to explain to him, well, let me explain to you why. And I'm saying it as eloquently and uh, as best I can describe it and explain it to where his little mind can understand it. And I explain it, and I'm like, that's why. Why? And like before long, it just gets to because that's why. Why? God made it that way. Why? 
He's creator. Why? And I'm like, ah. Oh. And I'm looking at, at Chris, and I'm like, man, your kids don't know nothing. Do you read to these kids? What are you doing? They don't know anything. These kids with their questions, it's crazy. I remember a time when I was uh, young, right? I'm, I'm that young kid. And I remember asking my mom a question. I remember it like it was yesterday. So we're driving along. It's just me and my mom in a little town called Bridgeport. And we're driving. And I look at my mom. And I'm like, Mom, Mom, if you only had one day left to live, what would you do? <laughs> and I'm thinking, like, in my mind, I'm like, roller coasters, skydive, let's go bungee jump. Like, my little mind is thinking these sort of things. And this moment I asked my mom this question, uh, she was totally fine in one moment. And in the very next moment, she began sobbing. <laughs> sobbing, like deep, like it freaked me out. I'm this little kid, listen, that, that might be normal in your home, and if it is, we got prayer at the end that you can come be part of, but this was not normal for my home. Like it freaked me, I was so scared, she's sobbing so hard, and I'm like, mom, you're, you're not, it's not really your last day on earth, is it? Is it, mom? Like I am so completely scared. Um, but I'll never forget the moment that, that the sobs finally died down. She got herself under control, and tears were still rolling down her face. And she said, you know, I would do whatever I could. I would beg my family, do whatever I had to do to see them come to know Jesus. I would call my brothers, I would call my sisters, and I would just beg them to come to know Christ. See, that was a moment where eternity was on her mind. That was a moment when eternity is on your mind and your priorities shift to what truly matters. See, when we live, we got to learn to live with eternity on our mind because it changes us. Satan, he wants us to get so caught up on the world, the things around us, that we don't give a second thought to the things that are to come. Because honestly, life right now, it's not always all that bad. And we don't want to think about leaving the things and the people and the relationships and all the stuff of this world. And so we think, you know what, heaven, it's going to be really cool. I want to go there someday, but it can wait. It can wait just a little bit. I don't want to go there yet. And it causes us to get priority issues in our life, living this life with this world in mind instead of the world that's to come. See, I don't know about you, but, oh, man, if I really lived with heaven on my mind, my priorities would look different. See, for me, then, then it wouldn't be about pleasing people. It would be about reaching people. It wouldn't be about living a life of comfort, but it would be about getting out of my comfort zone to live my life for Christ. It wouldn't be about learning all I can to, about my favorite sports team. It would be learning about all I can about my Savior. It wouldn't be about what, I, what can I get, but what can I give to help advance the kingdom of God. It would just look different. It wouldn't be about how much money I can store in the bank. It would be about how much treasure I can store up in heaven. And it wouldn't be about staying busy, but then for me, it would be about staying holy. It wouldn't be about holding on to a grudge. It would be about learning to carry a cross. See, my priorities, if I truly lived with heaven on my mind, it would look completely different because living with eternity on our mind can't help but change our priorities. Can't help but change our priorities. It changes our life right now. It's not something we got to worry about later. It changes us now. And there's a second way that, that eternity changes us, and I want to talk a little bit about the other place because there's not just one destination we all get to go to by default. Um, 
I want you to understand how hell changes us as well. And number two, if we truly understood the horrors of hell, it would completely change how we see others. It would completely change how you view others. In fact, did you realize only 40% of people believe that hell exists? Less than half of people believe that there's even a hell to begin with. But all throughout Scripture, Jesus talks more about hell than he talks about heaven. Like, you can't read the Bible and go through and come to the conclusion, yeah, I don't think there's a hell. (laughs) No, it's a real place. It does exist. So I just want to talk a few points about it, not long, because my goal isn't to scare you. My goal isn't to condemn you. I don't want you to want to do that at all today. I want to help give you a better understanding, because when we get a better understanding of what this place is going to be like, it changes us right now. we got to live different. It changes us. And so why does it even exist? See, we got this picture. We imagine hell is Satan over his dominion, sitting on his throne with his pitchfork and poking at people like, you, you like country music that way. You like cats that way, the deepest parts. Like, right, we picture this, this different sorting. Uh, man, I love dogs. I'll stop at that. Um, but we just have these pictures of what hell might be like. Uh, you know, is it Satan's kingdom, his dominion? And it's not that at all. In fact, Jesus says this in Matthew 25, 41. Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for who? The devil, his angels. That's what, why hell exists. It's prepared for dev, the devil and his angels. Yet scripture also tells us it's a place where God deals righteously with those who don't believe in him. 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 and 9. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord from the majesty of his power. And it can be kind of difficult stuff to go over, difficult stuff that the Bible has to share for us, but I'm not going to get too deep into it, but, but just know the Bible talks over and over that heaven is the reward for those that follow Christ and hell is the consequence for those who don't. So Satan is going to try to do whatever he can to lie to you, to make you believe that hell doesn't exist. Less than half of people already believe that, that hell doesn't exist because now you can live a life without any fear of consequence. Now you can go out and do whatever you want, whenever you want, because that place doesn't exist. Don't even worry about that. Or if it does exist, another lie he's going to try to tell you is it's not that bad. We're all going to go there. It's going to be a big party, right? Throw one back, party it up, do whatever you want to do. It's going to be crazy. Like It's going to be this big unending party, but no, that's, that's not what hell's going to be like either. You, we got a misunderstanding of what that place is going to be like. So let's just talk about what it might look like. I want to help you give a, get this understanding and how it changes us. In Luke 16, Luke chapter 16, this is Jesus talking, and he tells a story of a rich man and a beggar named Lazarus. This rich man, he was so rich, in fact, it said like one of his uh, pieces of outfits for the day would be like a year's wages. That's an expensive outfit. Every day he's eating the best meals you can imagine. I'm talking the best steaks that the best steakhouses in Manhattan or whatever place can make. Every day he's feasting. He has it all. The world is at his fingertips. All he has to do is say the word and it will be brought to him. He is so, so rich. Yet he's still a pretty good guy. Because at the edge, outside of his property, there's a beggar named Lazarus. He knows Lazarus. In fact, he even helps Lazarus. He doesn't kick Lazarus out. He doesn't tell him to go get a job. He, he looks at Lazarus and he helps him. He was a pretty good guy. But what we also know is Lazarus knew God. The beggar knew God. The rich man did not. 
So both of these men die. The beggar goes to heaven. The rich man goes to hell. Here's what it says in 16:23. He was in hell where he was in torment. Hell is a place of unspeakable suffering where he was in torment. And as he's there, the rich man who had it all, it's just kind of an ironic turn of events. On this world, he had whatever you could imagine. He was so, cons- he had anything at his disposal, yet in the life that's to come, the role is completely reversed, and now he becomes the beggar. He becomes the beggar because here's what happens now. In this moment of complete torment, he looks up, and he looks up, and he gets a glimpse into heaven, and he sees Lazarus doing well, Lazarus up in this place. And here's what he says in verse 24. He cries out and says, please, I am begging you, please send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and to cool my tongue because I'm in agony with this fire. Please, I am, this is so bad and this is just crazy to me on earth he had anything and everything he wanted yet he would give it all up for one moment of one moment of relief in hell one tip of the drop of water on the tip of his tongue but nothing ever came no relief ever came because there was a great chasm between the rich man and Lazarus that nobody could cross It's a place of unspeakable suffering. In fact, it's so bad that Jesus says in Matthew 6 that, you know, if your right eye causes you to sin, then here's what I want you to do. I just want you to take your fingers and, like, stick them back there into your eye sockets and just pull out your eye. It's going to be gross and bloody, and it's going to, you know, it's nasty. But pull it out and just go throw that thing away because it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for you to lose all your body in hell. And he goes on and says, you know what, in fact, if, you, if your right arm causes you to sin, here's what I want you to do. Just go take a saw and, and, you know, just start cutting and chopping on that thing because just chop that thing off and, and throw that hand away because it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your entire body to get thrown into hell. I'm not telling you to go home today and gouge out your eyes and cut off your arms. Please do not. But what Jesus is telling us is I want you to get an understanding of just how horrible this place is going to be. It's going to be unspeakable suffering. Revelations 14, 10, and 11 says this, They will drink of the wine of God's fury, and they will be tormented with burning sulfur. The smoke of their torment rises forever and ever. There will be no rest. I like my rest. There will be no rest day or night. It lasts forever. The relief never comes. Torment, pure isolation. You're not going to be around others. You're not going to connect relationally down there. It's it's not a big party. In fact, even here on earth, one of the, the ways that we punish the worst criminals is by solitary confinement. Take them away from others. It's not going to be a party. It's going to be a place of weeping, and gnashing of teeth. The rich man, he was fully conscious. It's a place where you're fully conscious. The rich man, because he cries out for relief. Please, I'm begging you, give me a drop of water. He never passes out from the pain. He, he never just ignores the pain. He can't ignore it. In fact, it's so horrible. He's begging just for one drop. 
How bad would it have to be for that to be your greatest desire? And he even recognizes Lazarus, so his brain is obviously working in this moment. And then Luke 16, verse 27, this is it. This is how hell changes us. This is what I want you to catch today. This is what I want you to get into your spirit because he shows more urgency here than a lot of us show. Here's what it says in verse 27. I beg you, I am begging you yet again, I beg you, send Lazarus to my house. I have five brothers. Let him warn them so they will not also come to this place of torment. So what do we know about this rich man? What we know is that this moment in his life reflected a true belief in hell. By then it was too late, but his, this moment in his life reflected a true belief in hell. And the truth is that most of our lives don't. Because if it truly did, it would change the way we look at others. If it truly did, we'd be showing a kind of urgency that this dead man in hell is showing. I'm begging you, please, go talk to my brothers. Do whatever you gotta do. Beg them, plead with them. Go to them a hundred days in a row. I don't care. Do not let them end up in this place. I'm begging you. He shows more urgency than many of us show. That kind of urgency would be like, I ask somebody every day for 300 days straight to come to church, to, to accept Christ, to, to live a different life, and they reject me every single day. After a while, it gets old, but that would be the urgency that goes back and says, you know what, maybe 301 will be the one. Maybe 410 would be the time that they accept. Maybe, maybe after 500 tries, man, maybe that would be the moment that they kneel down and change their life. But we couldn't have a true belief in hell and look at people the same way that we often do. See, if I was Satan, that would be the picture of hell I wouldn't want you to see. I wouldn't want you to see that because that kind of picture changes us. It changes our priorities. It changes how we live. The truth is that, myself included, we all have loved ones, friends, family, people that don't know Christ, yet many of us don't even pray for them. And I don't know as Christ followers, those of us who are Christ followers, I don't even know how we can justify that. We've never talked to them about the love of Christ. We've never shown them the love of Christ because honestly, there are a lot of times that we don't look a whole lot different from people in the world that don't know Christ. Sometimes they may even look better than we do. That's why I would say most of us, myself included, don't really understand hell. We look at it as it's kind of a strange thing. Like, yeah, I hope I don't end up there someday. It's kind of weird, kind of strange, kind of out there. And we don't fully understand it because if we truly understood how horrible it would be, it would cause us to look at others different. Look at others with an urgency to do something to reach them. Today I'm a pastor and I'm standing before you telling you <laughs> my life needs to change. My life needs to reflect a view and an understanding of eternity that's to come. My life must show an urgency to reach people because eternity is on the line. We got to learn to live this life with the next life in mind. Not just to worry about it later, worry about it when I get there. That's a dangerous view to have. We gotta learn to live this life. The life that's to come should change how we live our life right now. It changes our priorities and it changes the way that we look at others around us. There was a man named Charles Peace. He lived in England in the 1800s. <coughs> 
he was a murderer that got convicted and finally caught. And you may have heard this story, but I just want to share this once again. But uh, he was a convicted murderer. He was caught. And on the day that he was scheduled to be hanged, a chaplain visits him. And the chaplain comes by, and he's kind of going through his spiel. And he tells Charles, he says, sir, you need to believe in Jesus or else you're going to hell. And he continues on through his spiel. And in the moment, Charles stops him and says, wait, 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 sir, do you really believe in heaven and hell? And the chaplain says, well, uh, yes, I do. And this was the reply of the convicted murderer. The man about to be hanged, the, the convicted murderer about to face his death. I want you to grip this because he has more insight in this moment than most of us live with every day of our lives. Here's what he said. He said this, sir, I do not share your faith in heaven and hell. But if I did, if I believed what you say that you believe, then even though all of England were covered from coast to coast with broken glass, I would crawl on my hands and knees the length and the width of it. And I would think the pain worthwhile just to save one person from this place that you call hell. See, if I believed what you say you believe, my life would reflect it. And that's our challenge, to live our lives with a true belief of eternity. Because once we begin to understand heaven, it changes our priorities. We don't get so caught up on the world around us, but we are living this world for the moment that's to come when we are in eternity with Christ, our King, and it changes the way we look at others. We can't go through this life just looking at others the way that we look at them because we know there is an eternal place called hell that people that don't know Christ are going to go. we got to look at others differently. Some of you, you're here today and you're facing some situations in this world you're looking and all you see is trial, heartache, pain, stress, relationship, marriage on the brink, finances in trouble, and you're looking around at all these things. I want you to know no matter what your situation is, when you begin to think about heaven and when you begin to think about eternity, the best is yet to come for you. There is a hope beyond circumstance. There is something you can hold on to that you have yet to see because it's on the other side of this life. But you can hold on to that hope and know the best is yet to come for you. For me because I am a believer. I believe in Christ Jesus. But church, we have to learn to live this life. I have to learn to live this life with the next life in mind. It changes us now. We stand with me all across this place. All across this place. Lord, we love you, God. I just thank you for this church. Lord, I thank you for this church that just has a mission to forcefully advance your kingdom, whether it's through, through Sunday messages, Lord, or, or outreaches, or life groups, or trunk, or treat. God, we have a mission to populate heaven and to take people from hell. God, I pray that you would just change us, change our priorities, Lord. May we get a better understanding, a true understanding. God, heaven and hell have been strange things to us for far too long. God, strange things that we just think we can worry about later, but God, change our view on them. Lord, may we realize that that, that eternity, that life to come, changes our life, changes our actions right now. Speak to us, Lord. With heads bowed and eyes closed all across this place, if you're here today, and you say, you know what, I'm not sure where I would spend eternity. If Jesus is the only way to heaven, I'm not sure if Jesus is part of my life, but I'd like to ask him to be. I'd like to ask him to come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and I want to commit to live for him. If that's you, when I count to three, you just lift your hand. I want to say a quick prayer with you. One, two, three. 
Just go slip that hand up saying, you know what, that's me. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands all across saying, you know what, that's me. Pray this prayer with me. Jesus, we love you. God, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose again three days later so I can have eternal life with you in heaven. God, help me to live this life with the next life in mind. Thank you for being my Lord. Thank you for being my Savior. Thank you for cleansing me and washing all my sin away. With heads bowed and eyes still closed, if you're here today and you're like me, if you're here today and your priorities need shifted, if you're here today and you need to start looking at other people differently in light of what heaven and hell is going to be like, and you need God to do a work in your heart, a work in your mind, there's a famous preacher named Jonathan Edwards. One of his most famous messages was, Lord, stamp eternity on my eyeballs so wherever I look, I see people in light of eternity. But if you're here today and you need to start living this life with the next life in mind, when I count to three, will you lift your hand as well? One, two, three. Where are you at? Saying, that's me. My hand is up. This pastor's hand is up. I'm saying, God, I need to live this next life with eternity in my mind. Here's what I want to do for the next two minutes. Right now, those of you that raised your hand for whatever reason, can I just challenge you to come to the front? Can I just challenge you as a church that we just go after God and we say, God, I am getting real. Come on, just right now, begin to make your way to the front and say, God, I need you to change my life. I need you to change my heart. I need you to speak to me. I need you to do something awesome. God, I am tired of just going through the motions in this life. Lord, I need my priorities to change. God, I am tired of just looking at other people and seeing problems and issues and things that I'm facing. But God, I want to start looking at people through the lens, Lord, that there is an eternity in mind. And so as you're up here, can we just lift up our hands and can we just sing this together for two minutes? For two minutes, church, if you're out there, can we just worship together? Can we just see what God wants to do in our hearts in a moment of worship? So let's just do this. Let's just raise our hand. Let's just sing it out. Worship team, lead us as we go and chase after God. Open the land until the end.